When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and Waiting for Next Year community. I am your host, Joe Gerbs Gerberry, and I am finally joined by Dr. Mitchell and Farmer Ethan. Uh, guys, we are a week away from opening day, and it is the first time that all three of us have been on a podcast since I think definitely last year possibly august all three of us have been on a podcast it's been a, it's been a long time but it is it's great having you all here having you uh with us as we get ready for the season how are you guys feeling how is your uh mitch how's your uh off season you know it uh i got some time away from baseball i this is i've really invested myself in the Cavs season it's wonderful they're playing right now it's a close one um, you know, it's, it's crazy to me that baseball's around the corner. I, uh, I just can't wait for it to start. It just like, because of the investment into basketball, I just haven't, it just snuck up on me and it's like, oh man, we're about to be really lucky in, you know, a week when we have both the guardians and the Cavs. Yes. When we stay up till 10 PM and then go to bed at 11 and we only see like two innings. <laughs> well, maybe with the pitch clock now we'll see four, who knows? Ethan, how was your week? It's good, man. This is great. We're, you know, as of recording this, one week from Guardians baseball, one week and one hour because they're starting in Seattle, unfortunately, right. for almost every Guardians fan. But it's great to see, to see the three Musketeers back together again just in time to get the season rolling. I know. I know Andrew is going to be uh, psyched about it. He is the uh, the one guy who is always goes out of his way to tell me when he listens and he loves having the three man pod. So I know he's going to be super excited about, uh, about this coming for you guys in the morning. So. Hey, uh, Andrew likes it. We're doing something right. Right. Exactly. I, and that's why that's one of the reasons why I still go to Andrew. I'm like, truly like I value like, cause you're going to get like grandma. That's like, you're, you did great on the podcast, honey. But if you get Andrew telling you you're doing well, then you're actually like doing something good. So, but uh, another thing that I am excited about that you guys should be as well, uh, breakingtea.com. They've always got new shirts. You go to breakingtea.com backslash WFNY. You can find the, uh, the newest shirt out there is the, uh, the land. Uh, names shirt that they have made. Uh, again, it's Sticks, uh, the OG, Jose, Naylor, Quan, Shane, and Andres. Uh, they take letters out of all those, form the land, nice vertical. So, have not purchased it yet. It is not on my, uh, not on, not in my wardrobe, but uh, it is going to be there before opening day, I'm sure. So, uh, but yeah, make sure you check out breakingtea.com backslash WFNY, and that will take you to the Cleveland collection of t-shirts that are out there. So have you guys purchased it yet? Any new, any new breaking tea stuff from you guys? 
I'm so bad at replacing my wardrobe. I still wear the same t-shirts I wore like 12 years ago. For sure. Yeah. And they just build up. I never get rid of them. Oh yeah. We, we go through purges every once in a while when we're like, we, I think my, uh, my wife and I have said that we just don't buy new hangers. We just go through the stuff that we haven't worn. So when we get to a point where we're like, Oh, I need more hangers. Like, no, no, we don't need more hangers where you need to get rid of some stuff. It's a so, good system. It is a good system. <laughs> So, yeah. Oh, no. Well, we have a big, we have a big full podcast tonight. Today, we're going to do predictions later on, on uh, this team things, team MVP, Cy Young, and some couple fun ones that we uh, thought up. So, we want to get right into it, uh, but we want to get with our, uh, our, our, our housekeeping stuff. There are some roster things. Since we are getting closer, we have had some players uh, sent down to the minors, uh, some of them that we knew, some of them, a couple of them that we were a little uh, unexpected. I think we were we were discussing um, of the surprising ones, I would say maybe Tyler Freeman. Uh, disappointing ones, definitely Bo Naylor. Um, but pretty much everybody else has been, you know, expected. Is there any surprises, Ethan, uh, for you, as to who uh, got set down and who should still, and who is actually still up making uh, some noise. Surprising. No disappointing. Yes. Bo Naylor. Um, you know, there, there was a lot of hope in, in the WFNY discord drink that Bo drink. would win the backup catcher position out of spring training, uh, you know, signing a veteran like Zunino, who is very underrated for his defense to mentor a guy like Bo seems very understated, but you know, this is the part where we pump the brakes and remind you that the 26 men that travel to Seattle next week are not the 26 men who will be on the roster when they hopefully march into the playoffs in September. So, you know, uh, you could maybe classify Connor Pilkington in this category just because he made so many uh, spot starts in an emergency for the team last year, but I've never been his biggest fan. So I don't personally take that one too, too hard. Uh, I think it's gone just about as we've expected it to so far this spring. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely it's definitely chalk. It's chalk yeah. all the way around. I would say like the one, I mean, there was one competition for, you know, infield utility guy and it went to Arias, which was one of the two guys we expected to be. Unfortunately, Freeman was on the other end of that. And he's a big name. So it's definitely notable that he got sent down and his I don't know. Do you guys think the future of Tyler Freeman is in doubt in Cleveland? Like I I knowing what is coming by way of uh Brian Rocchio, you know, even Jose Tania or uh Angel Martinez, I gotta say I, I don't expect Tyler Freeman to be in Cleveland much, if if at all, going forward. Um, you know, we're we're coming up on those times where we're seeing a lot of injuries taking place uh, across the majors. Reese Hoskins went down today for Philly uh, with an ACL. Um, not that Tyler Freeman plays first base, but you know we're going to see those types of things happen here, and uh, you know we might he- see some some moves. So I wouldn't be surprised if Tyler Freeman is in that uh, pool and, and headed out. But uh, yeah, I'm not really high on on Freeman's future here in Cleveland. What about you, Ethan? 
Yeah, to echo what you said, I think he's really facing some pressure below him in the organization, specifically from Rocchio and Angel Martinez, who, same as him, tout very elite contact ability, but may offer a little bit more defensively. Freeman's a fine defender, but Rocchio is nicknamed the professor for his defensive prowess. Angel Martinez is getting a lot of credit for how he's developed his defensive game. And those guys just happen to hit for a little bit more power. It's gap power right now, but Rokio is a guy with 20-20 potential, which really sticks out that Freeman does not have. There's going to be a middle infield hungry team, whether it's before spring training lets out and Cleveland needs to clear room on the 40-man or sometime at the trade deadline, Freeman's going to get an opportunity somewhere else, I think. Yeah, he. the reason I brought it up is because it just doesn't seem like he has a place right now in the present. And it doesn't seem like he is amongst the highest ceiling prospects, like you guys said. I I will, like, I kind of set you guys up, and now I'm going to push back a little bit. Like, you know, if he gets an opportunity, he does seem like someone who can he can still make an impact and, like, potentially play his way into a role. But, you know, that's an if he gets an opportunity. And, like, if the guys on the major league squad are taking advantage um, of what they have right now, like, with the spot on the team, then he might not get that. So. Freeman is best is probably best used as a super sub and on a team that employs Andres, Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario, and Jose uh, Ramirez at, at third base. They're, those guys just don't get days off. And so mm-hmm. you're, you're, you can't really, he's, he's got such a high floor Freeman that like to be able to put him in at any point in the lineup and say, you know, you're, you know, you're getting this, that's what you want, but the team, I just don't think there's enough spots for him because Arias has a little bit more ceiling, can play first base more frequently. Um, I don't know what his – I know he has played in the outfield last year. I don't know what his outfield experiment went went like this uh, spring, but obviously it he's done enough to where he earned the spot over Freeman. So, yeah. All right, let's go to the other. Did you have something else on Freeman, oh, or did you want to move on? I was just going to agree and say, like, and that just probably is a factor of like Freeman is not the versatile defender Arias is. Right. So he he just like makes sense in that role. Yeah. All right, so we do have still uh, in this final week uh, some more uh, fights that are going on. Some of these depth spots, some of these uh, backup positions. So. Um, I have it listed uh bullpen catcher bench, but let's go, let's go catcher. Obviously, there's one guy there um that uh, they're going to keep that is behind Zanino. Uh you have Cam Gallagher, uh, you have Valoria, and you have Zach Collins. I'm not even going to try to uh pronounce Valoria's first name. Ethan, if you want to say that, that's more than welcome to you. I have, I I'm out. I have no idea. It's Valoria. I that's what I, I wrote it down and I didn't uh, think to write it because I didn't. Uh, I don't know, but uh, it's it's pretty much Cam Gallagher's job to to lose here, as much as that saddens all of us at uh, waiting for next year that it's not Bo. But uh, any any moves here on the backup catcher spot for either of you? Um, I mean, oh, sorry, you were. Go ahead. Inside baseball, you were wait, saying my turn, but it looked like you were pointing at <laughs> you me. Were, you did. You, my bad. We're, no. in, a, in a video forum, uh, Ethan did point up, but it was, it was a, I'll take that, as opposed to a, hey, you go. 
So. We are an audio medium doing the Spider-Man pointing meme at each other right now, <laughs> yes. for those of you at home. Uh, I might push back and say, after considering this, because we discussed this just this morning, and I'm, I might push back and say that this job might be Zach Collins over Cam Gallagher's. He's played in more games than Cam this spring. He's roughly the same age. He's performed significantly better. He's hitting well over 250 to Cam's career 199 Austin Hedges-esque numbers. And he's also a veteran signing from inside the division, having been with the White Sox for the last four years. So there may be some potential with him still hanging around in the mix, even though Cam Gallagher, as we are speaking, is uh, behind the dish catching Cal Quantrill tonight against the Giants in spring training action that just started as we're recording this. But it, it might legitimately be a, a chance that they're giving Zach Collins every opportunity to, to push Cam Gallagher out of this job before we reach the, the veterans on minor league deals uh, opt-out day. So... I, I don't know. I, I'm going to have to rescind my comments where for the past three or four days, I've been saying it's Cam Gallagher, Gallagher's job. You could put it in Sharpie. I'm actually thinking Zach Collins might have a legitimate chance at this. Is there, is there a position in sports that is like more placeholdery than backup catcher? I feel like punt returner. Yeah, you're right. There are football ones. Okay. But in baseball, I feel like <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's a, no, <laughs> that's the quintessential. Like, these dudes are all placeholders is my point like right. none of it none of it's gonna move the needle in any way it's like i i'm curious how like honestly i'm curious how the team decides because it's like oh one guy maybe is slightly better defensively slightly better hitting but it's like i don't know you're predicting like a hundred plate appearances not a lot right and like you know it, it's really hard to know how someone's going to perform and what they do behind the scenes. I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's Bo Naylor's spot. It's Bo Naylor's. It's, yeah. You're yeah. just, you're just holding, holding, holding a uh, water for Bo right now. So that yeah. it's fine. It's, it's, if it is Collins, I'm okay with that. Cause he's a, the only thing, regardless, any of these three, they're going to need to make a, a 40 man roster spot. So that's, that is the, the, the one issue with going with one of these three over Bo, but you know, at the end of the day, it's it's really you're just holding holding spot, it's holding space. So let's move on to more uh, pressing things. There are two spots in the bullpen. Uh, Mandy Bell mentioned these three names: uh, Hunter Gaddis, uh, uh, a you saw him last year as a starting pitcher for at least a short time. Uh, there's uh, is it Tim Heron? Yeah, correct. And then Michael Kelly is the other a uh, bullpen arm. Uh, Tim Heron is a lefty, and then Michael Kelly is a right-handed pitcher. Um, the favorites, I think, for all of us here for these two bullpen spots are Gaddis and Heron. Um, Heron more than likely coming in just because Sam Henches is going to start the year, likely is going to start the year on the IL. Um he had a shoulder impingement, I think, earlier in the uh, off-season spring training, and has been working with the weighted balls, but not uh, not done much of anything that we've heard or seen anything. Um, Mitch, what do you feel about Gaddis being in the bullpen? 
um, over some of the other guys that are possible. Yeah, Gaddis is, um, I think that's a perfectly reasonable choice. Um, I think first off with Gaddis, I think you just kind of have to throw last year's major league uh, kind of a service out the window. Like something was clearly up in that, you know, he, he just got, he allowed 8.5 homers per nine innings. He allowed a homer per inning. Like that's, those are the kind of numbers where it's just like, something was going on, like toss it out the window. Tipping pitches, um, something like that. That's what you're saying. Yeah. The guy, yeah. I'm saying tipping pitches or he was, yeah, he was definitely giving something away. They had some signal or something, but um, you know, the stuff is clearly very good. Um, you know, this type of, um conversion where you get this guy who's a big dude a lot of moving parts you simplify everything and have him throw fewer pitches like sometimes that pops um i mean we saw with trevor stefan um who like was a middling you know pitching prospect as a starter and then you know simplifies his delivery not delivery but simplifies his repertoire and and crushes as a as a bullpen guy so it's definitely worth the flyer he's already on the roster um or on the 40 man, I should say. So yeah, I'm I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Uh Ethan, how much how long before Gaddis' spot is taken over by uh strikeout extraordinaire uh connoisseur Cody uh, Cody Morris? How soon can you get me a healthy Cody Morris? I think is the the evergreen perennial question, is what it is. You know, we, we entered spring training this year with the expectation that Cody Morris was gonna force Zach Plezak's hand to hold down his job as the number five starter. So to sit here and say how long till he replaces Gaddis in the bullpen, I think is a bit of an unfair question, but Gaddis has earned this right. He's appeared in five games this spring. He's made two starts. He's covered 13 innings. He's walked just three, but he struck out 17 guys. Those numbers are fantastic. The RA is under three. Uh, you know, he's, he's been a guy who's always had a very underrated changeup in the system of guys who have very good changeups for some reason, uh, based on early returns with the film, the slider looks sharper. The fastball is playing off of both of those pitches very well. And, and like Mitch said, the team threw him to the wolves, man. He had to make his first career start against the world series champion, Houston Astros. That's a big ask of any rookie pitcher, especially one who may have had the deck stacked against him, whether he was tipping his own pitches, whether something was going on in that game. We we could speculate for hours, but he was never given a fair chance. So to see him having shaken that off and come back and performed well this spring, granted, it, it is spring training, but the early returns look promising, and I will be very happy with him in the bullpen. Yeah, for sure. And to my point about guys who like go into the bullpen from the starting rotation. He struck out 31% of his hitters last year in triple a and nine starts. Like, you know, if he maxes out his effort um, in one inning stints, we're talking about a guy who struck out that many people as a starter. Like he could really be a weapon like that. That is a real possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, it is the Morris like and uh, even more, more successful last year was Eli Morgan. Yeah. The other, the other possibility is he is the, like the spot starter guy in like the Pilkington role. Right. Yeah. Think, because it's earlier on in the year, the, I mean, even Tristan McKenzie came in and pitched in relief one year or one game last year, um, right at the beginning. So it's, you know, not that we are ready to, some of us are ready to push Zach, please out a, uh, uh, out of the lineup, out of the rotation. I think most of us 
could do it, but uh, you can you can say my name next time, Gerbs. I, right. I am I, I will drive him to the airport. The the Plezak Island is is getting real 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 small. Also, um, by the way, Gerbs, it's Maybreeze. Maybreeze, thank you. Yes, Maybreeze Valoria. We figured it out, everybody. We did it. The power. Of now Google. you have the confidence to just say his name. Maybe Walter White. Now, now that I've heard somebody say it, I can do it. It's fine. Maybe. I just need it. It's one of those like if you look at the word uh, myriad, you, like you would. I I have no. I would have no idea how to pronounce that if I like was looking at it. One of those kind of things, you know. Yeah. No, it's just got a lot of vowels that don't normally go together in like right. English. So right. I get it. All right, the last, the last spot. Thank you for my. my yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to I, appreciate, I appreciate my confirmation bias on, on Myriad during a a weird word to pronounce. Um, the last battle that is out there, uh, and again, these are, these names are from uh, Mandy Bell. There is one more bench spot for uh, the outfield, uh, so it's between uh, Richie Palacios, uh, Dickie P, as he's known in our parts. Or uh, Roman Quinn. Um, not real sure. Uh, to me, Palacios is more likely to be DFA'd than I feel like a bench spot. Um, it is he, he is out of options, I believe, which is why he would be designated for assignment. But um, what do you guys think? Who wants to go first? I don't care. I can, I can go. I mean. Okay. Um... As Ethan now points to himself, <laughs> go for it, Mitch. Um, sorry, I go, I'll keep it quick. Um, Roman Quinn, it's just you know, they're basically in the same spot, right? One of them wins the job, the other one leaves the organization, just like you said. So it's just a matter of which one you think going forward could mean more to the team. My bet would be on Richie Palacios, but like, yeah, yeah, it's it's whichever one they like more, period. The other one hits the road. It's a it's a loser leaves town matchup. There you go. Sorry, I think for the very reasons that Gerbs laid out, it'll be Palacios's job just because like Quinn doesn't excite me at all. I'm sure he's a, he's a veteran presence, but I don't see him stealing at bats from potentially Will Brennan, fourth outfielder, potential DH, depending on how things shake out of the ALDS last year. Palacios is going to be this year's version of Yu Chang and Bobby Bradley, where you're just kind of a, a layover from last year's team. They're going to give you the, the goodwill opportunity to put some film out there before you're replaced with something better that's going to help this team for a larger part of the season. So it just doesn't make sense to me to DFA him to add a guy who's just going to be a DFA'd in a month or two. You know, If you're going to give 75 plate appearances, why not give it to the, the known commodity to your organization than a veteran you brought in, maybe just to mentor somebody or to, to push somebody to be better this spring. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I again, it's you're it's a guy that's the basically twenty sixth man on the roster, so it's not a, a, a or twenty eighth man. Is it? Do we have extant, expanded rosters in April again this year? Not sure. I no. Okay. Um. Anyway. Uh. But yeah, the last this we're talking about the last guy on the uh, on the roster, so. I I do think uh, Palacios would be the guy just because they don't want to have to cut him. Um, but uh, again, there's a guy that's not going to be getting a bunch of 
spots here or or anything along those lines. So, yeah. So that seems to be the backup death spots, depth spots, not death spots, depth. There's a P in there. Um, so let's move on to another P word, predictions. This is where we're going to spend the bulk of our episode. So uh, I brought up a couple of names here, a couple uh, predictions for you guys, and I sent them to you earlier in the week. So obviously we'll go with team MVP. And now I made the, uh, the qualifier, the non J Ram division, obviously uh, Jose Ramirez is in the actual MVP race pretty much uh, annually. So we want to make sure that, you know, we could sit here and talk about J Ram for uh, an hour if we wanted to, but uh, that doesn't always make for the best podcast. So, who is your team MVP uh, non-JRAM division? Ethan, go ahead and go first. I am going to give this award to new and one-time only Cleveland Guardian, Josh Bell. You're bringing in a switch-hitting first baseman who is exactly what Cleveland wants. He can hit for a decent average, 250 to 260 range, which is good. He's a candidate to break out for 30 home runs any given season. He draws walks. He doesn't strike out a whole lot. He is invaluable protection that this team has needed to insulate J-Ram in the lineup for years since the 2016 core started to dissolve. This is going to be one of the most underrated signings of the offseason. I do think because of that, he will opt out of his deal. It's a two-year deal with an opt-out after one if he feels like he can make more on the market. But I think for this year and this year alone, he's going to be exactly what this club needs to really unlock all of J-Ram hitting in the three hole. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Yeah, I like the I like the the pick there. Uh, Mitch, what do you think of your uh, team MVP non-JRAM division? Yeah, no. First of all, I want to protest the non-JRAM division, Gerbs, because I think talking about Jose Ramirez for hours sounds wonderful. Um <laughs> So I think that would be great podcasting. You guys can have the WFMY Cornercast, but I'm not here then. <laughs> It'll be Jose Ramirez Cornercast. Um, no, I'm going to go with Stephen Kwan, which is a, kind of a chalky pick. But I, I, the reason I'm going with Stephen Kwan is just because I think he is like probably the safest bet of any non-Jose Ramirez guardian to repeat his, his season last year. I just feel like the approach is so strong and he is such a um, consistent dude and his stat, his, his skills seem so real. Like the things that he's good at, he's so good at that. It just seems like we can count on him for, for something that where it's like, you know, I love Andres Jimenez. I love him, but like, I don't know if we're going to be able to count on the power for him this year. Like we did last year, last year could easily be a career year in that, you know, in the homers department. Um, I hope it's not, but like, I think we know what we're getting with Stephen Kwan and it's like a really valuable 
defensive player who gets on base all the time. Um, and, you know, that that thing is also important in its consistency as well. You know, he's there every day trying his best, you know, consistent effort. I love Stephen Kwan. He's a great clubhouse guy too. I mean, I think I think he's the MVP of our hearts. <laughs> MVP of our hearts. That, that's completely fair. Kwan's the guy that I had written down second here right behind Josh Bell because there's something so soothing about that level of stability, right? Like, you, you know what you're going to get. It's a guy who's going to hit roughly 300. He's going to drop 10% walks. He's rarely going to strike out. And it's going to be single after single after single. And it's not the sexiest brand of baseball, but it's Guardians baseball. And it worked last year. And with what's behind him, all Stephen Kwan has to do is be Stephen Kwan. Yeah. And and it, it should be said, like, the power basically has to go up by nature of the fact that it, like, can't go down much more. Um, so like if he is able to like take an, take a step forward in terms of like controlling the plate appearance, looking for a pitch to drive and actually like get his swing on, be able to pull the ball, like there is sneaky power potential there. Um, not saying it's necessarily going to happen, but like, it can't be much less than last year. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I do think that there is like a 50. Team home run ceiling for Quan. That's a pretty attainable ceiling there. Um, however, Stephen Quan, despite my love and uh, presence on multiple of my fantasy rosters, is not my pick. It is actually the guy who I may have in just as many leagues. Uh, Everyday Andres is my team MVP non-JRM division. Uh, not only do you have the bat that I feel like, you know, was unlocked last year. Um, I do think that there is some growth in it. You were talked about Mitch, the, the power, you know, possibly being a ceiling um, that we've already seen, you know, the, the, I think it was 18 home runs last year. Um, I think that there is a little bit more there. Um, I also think in a, for a later prediction, uh, Andres could actually move up the lineup uh if there were some moves that were made and um, it also can't be denied the impact that the no shift will have at second base um, and a good defensive player like Andres just takes the, the top off a little bit more for that um, with regards to value Um all of a sudden, you know, he's not sitting in, in short right field anymore. He's actually, uh, you know, on on the dirt, has to be on the dirt, and and saving some runs well more than he was, uh, you know, possibly just as many as he was last year, if not more. So Yeah, no, that's a good um, point. The lack of shift should be like a little bit of a separator too. Like, yeah. Gents are a little less perfected, which means like there's more room to stand out. Right. All right, uh, let's move on to Team Cy Young. Uh, I we don't have a, a Shane Bieber would normally be the uh, would be the non Bieber division, but there's some you know solid chances on everybody else here right now. So, uh, who is your Cy Young, uh, Ethan? I am going to give this one to Emmanuel Classe. I'm taking the closer. I 
I'm not going to lie. I have genuine concerns about three, four, five in this rotation of the 26 men that are traveling to Seattle. And, and you're a Quantrill guy, so we'll get to Quantrill in a minute. Um, but I, I do have legitimate and I, I don't think unfounded concerns in the three, four, five spots in the rotation. So to have the most efficient closer in baseball and by a significant margin. That man did everything Edwin Diaz did last year in like 35% fewer pitches. He's an absolute machine. He's incredibly young. He's locked up long-term. I have concerns about 345 being able to give the ball directly to Karachek, Stefan, Classe to let him slam the door, but you're going to be hard-pressed to find a more consistent guy taking the, taking the bump in the ninth inning. And for what this team needs while they try to figure out what the roster is going to look like for a potential playoff push, Class A is the consistency you need to end games and get you in the win column. That's that's a spicy take. I don't I don't disagree with it. There there's definitely some merit to it. So Mitch, who is your team Cy Young winner? Uh first of all, I'm just getting over the spiciness of that take. I'm not a I'm not a uh reliever uh reliever Cy Young guy so but I I respect it I respect the the choice I'm gonna go with Tristan McKenzie um just for no reason just because like <laughs> you know I I've always loved the guy I you know we we I, he was drafted in what 2015 I think and he was one you know I was an adult at that point and it's like I followed him since he was a prospect and he's such a likable guy and uh you know you just like want to root for him and uh, this is not a knock at bieber um i think bieber is going to be good i just want tristan to take that leap and like you know ty goes to the newcomer i'd say um yeah I, he just needs to strike out more hitters i think that's really the key to the next step of his game he's got the stuff to do it he did it in his first two seasons here um, and then I think like his problem a lot of the time was that he got too focused on the strikeout, not focused enough on attacking the zone. I think he, you know, corrected in a way that was very effective last year, but I think he could bounce back a little bit and find a happy medium. And if he does that, I think his effectiveness would really, really go up. Um, so he's my pick, but it is kind of a blind faith thing. You know, I just remember when I saw the guy in Akron and I saw him physically dominating like opposing double a hitters and i was like that guy's got it so just yeah, going out there i can't disagree with you because that was actually my pick as well uh i was going with sticks uh and six mckenzie by the way just 10 out of 10 nickname you know just i i sticks is just it's such a great name you look at the guy and he's just a sticks it feels like a it feels like a uh a nickname you would hear on the sandlot you know what I mean? Like if it, you just saw this character named Sticks, it's like, oh yeah, that guy Sticks. It paints a picture, right? One hundred percent. You say Sticks and you see the guy. Yeah, um, you get it. I I do agree that I think his he is the next one moving up. Um, we have talked in the uh, Discord drink uh, about who we want to see as the next extension. Um, obviously, last year we had. Emmanuel Classe, then Miles Straw, and then finally Jose Ramirez. Um, Sticks moved up the my rankings. Previously, I had wanted Juan to be the one, um, but it is now actually for me 
I want uh, McKenzie to get the extension more just because it affords a level of stability for the um, rotation as we're coming up on a lot of these guys, obviously the uh, 16 draft guys, Bieber, Savale, Plezak, all hitting a little bit of a um, team control crunch. Um, sticks being extended would be able to keep the, the, the thing going and give the team a little bit more leeway with bringing guys up like uh, Logan Allen, like Espino, like Gavin Williams, Tanner uh, Bybee, names that we'll talk about later. Um, it would just allow them to have that. And so I, I think this year is the year that he uh, puts it all together, as it were, and hits that like top 20, top 10 starting pitcher of in, in the majors and, and really actually, you know, probably garners some actual Cy Young votes. So, all right. So we have, so this is the first time that we've agreed on one. It's only the second thing, but you know, whatever. But um, all right, we're going on to the next uh, prediction category. Um, Mitch actually moved this around. We're going to go with, uh, instead of biggest disappointment, uh, we'll go with most likely to lose their job. So obviously the starters are pretty out, uh, you know, uh, we know who they all are. But Mitch, since you were the one that changed this uh, category, what is, uh, who is your pick for, most likely to lose their job firstly i'm for the employment of players i not i will not be celebrating anyone losing their job but you know i do think like the interest like the interesting thing about following a team over the course of the season is like where are the weak points where is it going to bend and like what's going to change and i think this is the most interesting way to think about like what is going to change about this team over the course of the season um and so before the uh before we started we're doing a little talking and uh ethan was like you're definitely going with police act with this one and i said i would not spoil it but um yeah i'm gonna go with police act um he is the obvious choice um he you know ever since 2020 um well even in 2019 when he came up and he was this promising guy who got called up straight from double a in in response to Corey kluber getting a line drive back to his pitching hand that cost him the rest of the season i remember writing zach plesak should be the replacement in way back in 2019 um but uh you know and he's always had this like kind of um like you know, he's always been kind of like the guy for whatever reason, people like the organization kind of seemed drawn to him. And in 2020, he really rewarded them for that. It's crazy to think that it's been three years and he has just been, you know, not the same guy. And yet here we are with Zach Plesak as the number five pitcher in the rotation. It just, I don't see how much longer it can last. Um, you know, he's, you know, just like such a, he, you know, I'm actually looking at his numbers and he wasn't like as bad, he wasn't as bad as I remember, but like, he just is a low ceiling guy who doesn't strike anyone out, who gives up homers, who is a frustrating guy in the clubhouse. And it's just like, you know, there are so many guys that we're going to talk about later who, you know, have a higher ceiling that could be in this spot than him. It just, he is a major league starting pitcher. It just, it seems like an obvious area where there is you know, the potential to put in a player who has significantly more upside, you know, someone who can strike out more than six 
and you know seven batters per nine innings yeah all right ethan who is your uh, most likely to lose their job so please act mitch is right please act's the most obvious reason uh, most obvious player uh, for all the reasons he listed and and then the off the field stuff the man's already reached three strikes the the COVID suspension, the the fight with the shirt that since gone AWOL is wanted by the FBI, and then last year breaking his hand, punching the mound, and what was actually his first win in almost three months. But I'm going to change it up, and I'm actually going to look at the guy ahead of him in the rotation and go ahead and say that Aaron Savale is on the hot seat. Okay. Yes, you have very good pitching in the upper main, in the upper minors that could debut this year. That that <laughs> very much should make guys like Blazak and Zavala think their days are are numbered. And I know he was injured last year, but there are some underlying numbers with Savale that just concern the ever living hell out of me. Over the course of last season, and I've I've mentioned these in the past, when Savale had the bases empty. He held opponents to a 234 batting average, and he had a 2.97 fielding independent pitching FIP, which is an advanced stat, and it's treated like ERA. Anything around three is considered fantastic. Anything below it is elite. So Savale, with the bases empty, was a very good pitcher. The second Aaron Savale allowed a single base runner, if he walked a guy, if he allowed a single, just a guy standing on first base, his opponent batting average against spiked to 280. He allowed a 370 on base percentage and opposing batters slugged 512 against him. His FIP spiked to 5.52. The numbers are not great. And you can point to the injury, but there, there are other concerns that I have with this because how can you defend against that, right? Well, you could figure out where he's giving up these hits. You could shift to it. Cleveland shifted the least among teams in baseball last year, and it's gone this year. Was it a mental problem? Is it tipping pitches? What is behind Savali's problems with men on base? And his FIP spiked to over six if a guy reached second base. These are numbers that cannot sustain themselves. It, it, even if it's a stuff thing, if it's a mental thing, he's got to find a way to improve on that. And I don't have the answer of how you fix that right now. Last year, uh, Ethan and I had a bet about Cal Quantrill. Um, this year, uh, we should have a bet about Aaron Savali. I would, uh, I'll, I'll take the over this time. Uh, you know, be will. I'm willing to set the line if you want. You can set the line. I don't know. We'll take care of the, the uh, details in the Discord and follow back up here next time. We'll bring uh, this up on the opening day pod. I like this. We'll talk about absolutely. it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're out. Everything you said was accurate. I just think, I think you know, Savali will bounce back. That's my, that's my, that's one of my predictions. It wasn't my bold prediction that we're coming up, but that is one thing that I think. So, and much like Mitch isn't rooting for guys to lose their jobs, I'm not rooting for Savali to suck again. But those numbers oh, yeah. scared the hell out of me, and they're worth monitoring this year. And they will very quickly lead to a lost job if he doesn't find a way to fix it. Yeah, for sure. I do think that the for both of you, because actually mine is neither of yours. Uh, mine is a hitter, um, but uh, I do think the the uh, to, to Ethan's point, as he said uh, before, the back end of the rotation is on is on notice. They have guys that are coming up that are real close, and, and uh, you know, obviously, like Ethan has said, 
Cody Morris is, was knocking or perceived to be knocking on Ed Plesak's door before he got hurt. And now Hunter Gaddis is there. Um, guys like Curry, guys like Pilkington, and then even the bigger names behind them uh, that you know are lower in the pecking order, they might uh, are coming after him. My uh, most likely to lose their job is uh, actually Miles Straw. Um, I uh, last year talked a lot about how much he was not pulling the ball. That you could almost shade him like he was a lefty pull hitter. Um, that everything was going the opposite way. Um, I chalked up to injury, but you know there is a, a thing in the back of my mind that maybe this is was was a, a a change that he was trying to make uh that he was trying to get by on contact rather than go on pulling the ball um and if it's something that keeps will brennan is ready and it's more of a uh nod to brennan being prepared you know uh rather than straw just sucking um so it, I, I do think Will Brennan can play, obviously not as good of a defense in center field as Miles Straw, but he could easily be up there um, amongst, you know, possible gold glovers in center field, I would think. And um, again, his uh, his bat is not a wet noodle, which is nice. And uh, the, the possibility of Will Brennan stepping in, to me, is a, uh, makes him my, makes Miles Straw my most likely to lose their job. So it's not so much a Miles Straw losing it as much of a Will Brennan winning it, possibly. But, uh, you know, it, it, there's some issues there. So, all right. We will mark all these down on our uh, sheet. I will uh, get these on the show notes so we can keep track of these things. So, um, all right. Let's go with uh, biggest surprise and then we'll go with uh, some of my uh wordplay here uh mitch why don't you give us our uh biggest surprise prediction or your biggest surprise i think the biggest surprise of the year is going to be miles straw keeps his job returns to 2021 form and you know is like the above average position player we're hoping he would be um i i I understand why his batted ball data was discouraging last year, but I do think like his change is like really, you know, it is something that it seems tangible and cared. You know, it's like thought through, like he was doing a thing. It was a problem. And then it looked like he fixed it. And that is like just promising. You know, if he is, he doesn't have to hit the ball hard, but he can't hit the ball soft and only to one place. And he made that adjustment. He started pulling the ball at the end of last year. And, um, yeah, I mean, you said it. He's an elite, elite, elite defensive center fielder. And um, if he can just get on base with a, a, a decent rate like he did the year prior to last year um, – he is a really, really valuable player on this team, especially like with Quan too. I mean, it's going to be an on-base machine there. I know Ethan agrees with me. I do agree with you. Um, <laughs> we'll we'll get to to my straw takes in a in a moment, but I I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up and 
I know I mentioned that I have legitimate concerns about the three, four, five spots in the rotation, but I'm going to stick with the pitching here. And I'm going to say that the biggest surprise is Cal Quantrill develops into a true number three starter. My concern with Cal that I mentioned is that he cannot continue on the way that he has. I, I, I know I won my bet with Mitchell last year, uh, but the, only emerging in the second half, striking out less than seven guys per nine. That's the kind of thing that can't keep going, right? With the new rules, with the shift gone, even though the Guardians did it so little, guys are going to start capitalizing on Cal. He gives up some solid contact. It's going to become a problem for him sooner rather than later. Where my hope lies is that in the offseason, he worked with Brian Shaw and Trevor Steffen to develop a splitter, something that might help him miss some more bats. If that pitch can even help raise his K per nine into the nine range, I think Cal can be a legitimate number three starter. If he can go out there and get you six innings, four to five hits, and with the ability to strike out seven guys consistently, that, that's a true three. And it's something that Cleveland's going to need. But we've seen very little of this supposed new splitter in spring training. It's received some high praise from Bo Naylor while the two were working out in the offseason, getting ready for the World Baseball Classic. But we just don't know enough about it other than the fact that Zach Meisel and Mandy Bell have reported that it exists. It's the kind of thing that really complements his repertoire. I think it can help him. But until we actually see it in game action, we start seeing it translate to numbers, we don't know for sure. But I like the idea of it, and I think it's going to be really, really good for him. Thanks. I like the uh, I like the bold prediction. I, I'm a fan of Quantrill. Um, I do think he has... Uh, some stuff here that could possibly uh, do it. So my biggest surprise uh, is that uh, Bo Naylor will come up and actually be the rookie of the year. Uh, well, I think you said it. bold. You said bold. I did say, I, I said biggest surprise. This is not my bold prediction. This my isn't bold, your bold prediction. This isn't my bold prediction. I thought you oh, skipped ahead on us. No, I'm going biggest surprise. Bo Naylor will win, will win the rookie of the year. I think the bat is there. I think the uh, comments about, you know, the the kind of uh, hinting at the reason why he's starting in the minors, that they want somebody who's ready to handle a staff and, re- you know, receiving and things like that. I think they're I think they're overblown, and they are the Frankie Lindor needs to work on his defense. Uh, reasoning behind this front office and keeping him down. Um, I think his bat is ready to go. And um, as we saw in the uh, WBC, he, he parked a, uh, a hanging, a, a hanging curveball that was knee high, uh, went oppo on it. And, and it's the power is there. I think the bat's just ready to go. And uh, I think he comes in and, helps out uh helps everybody out and gets you know to that rookie of the year in a adley rushman type of type of way so that's my biggest surprise that would be a big surprise that is um comparing Bo to adley is some high praise i will be very excited if we even get in the ballpark of adley rushman i i said in that in that mold not necessarily adley rushman but just because it you look at last year and i mean Baltimore was, I think I heard on the uh, the Suspetta's uh, Barbacast that I think they were like 
19 and 25 or 16 and 25 or something like that before Adley got called up and then they almost made the playoffs. So, you know, just that kind of a, a situation here, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I love Bo Naylor that much. So that means, that means by the end of the season, Zunino's the backup. Yeah. That's a, yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope you're right. And also Zunino crushes. Right. Oh, (laughs) well, for sure. And they're just so, like a two-headed monster. That'd yeah, be- and they can just absolutely just annihilate whoever. So, all right, we're going to go now to bold prediction, old prediction. I wanted to combine them, so it sounded, again, more like a uh, a podcast topic here. So, uh, bold prediction, obviously we know what those are. Uh, I, I labeled old prediction as just something that we would kind of already know. Um, I am going to go first to help out get uh, what your what this idea is here for everybody. So bold prediction, uh, there are going to be seven Guardians that hit 20 home runs this year. And I okay. wrote them all down for you. Obviously, uh, Jose Ramirez, Josh Bell, Josh Naylor, Oscar Gonzalez, Stephen Kwan, Andres Jimenez and Mike Zanino. Why did you drop Stephen Kwan fifth? Why didn't you finish with him? Six of those guys, I believe, Kwan should have been where you left off. Yeah, that's just where I went. Anyway, <laughs> but because uh, I was going down the lineup in my head, and I'm like, well, this is obviously these guys. Oh, I think Kwan could do it. And then it was just like, I got to get the seventh guy, and Zanino was there. Didn't you but, just say Kwan uh, had? 15 ceiling. That's it. I said 15 ceiling, but I'm good. I'm I'm being bold here. Okay. But do, my do the Guardians win the Yankee Stadium Progressive's the only park that gets the juice baseballs in 2023 lottery. <laughs> Did I miss that announcement? Listen. So here's my thinking, obviously. There are, there's are some stuff here. Josh Naylor had had 20 home runs last year. Jose Ramirez had 29. Uh Andres had 17. You pitch that up to three. That's fine. I Josh Bell has got 20. Had he not hurt his thumb? Same as Jim. Right. Yeah. Same here. So there's that. Uh, Stephen Kwan actually had six. So uh, as as expected, that's the biggest jump. Zanino has had 20 in the past. So that's not a problem. Uh, and Josh Bell has had 30 before. So it's not a problem for him to get to 20. Stephen Kwan is obviously the biggest shocker here. But to my point, being that, and Mitch's point is meant as mentioned it as well. A little bit more, a little bit more selective, a little bit more of finding the right pitch to to uh, to pound, getting that bold prediction out there of that twenty home runs. My old prediction: uh, there is going to be just something that we all know. There will be uh, six guys that have twenty stolen bases this year, with the bases being bigger. Uh, with the no pickoff rules, those guy uh, there is going to be a increase in stolen bases, and there was already uh, six guardians that had. I had five. Hold on a second. There was five that had almost twenty. Jose had twenty. Andres had twenty, which he probably would have had more. Stephen Guan had nineteen. Ahmed Rosario had eighteen. Malstra had twenty-one. Uh, I think you can possibly talk uh, talk me into, um, well, Brennan getting up to six, 
Um, or I'll make it five. We'll do that for it's old. I'm sorry. Make my own rules here. Five guys with 20 stolen bases. That's just an old, something that we all know should happen, will happen, those kind of things. So that's my bold and old predictions. What say you, Mitch? Okay, my bold prediction is that Logan Allen makes a big impact on the starting rotation in 2023. Um, I think that's bold because I think he gets forgotten about a lot of the time when we talk about these minor league uh, starter or starting pitching prospects. Um, I think this is a guy who, you know, he hit a bit of a wall in AAA last year, but I think he's one adjustment away from like being a real impact major leaguer. And he is interesting and exciting because he's something that we don't really see that often in Cleveland, which is like a crafty lefty, um, a crafty lefty starter. Um, my old prediction is that Jose Ramirez has his best career season. And I think that's not that interesting of a prediction because, I mean, we've seen it left and right in Cleveland media these days, you know, before the injury, whatever, 290 WRC plus after the injury, 110 WRC plus, obviously I'm exaggerating, but, um, you know, I think just like a full year of healthy Jose Ramirez, um, the way he was crushing the ball in the beginning of the season, I just think we see another like eight to 10 war season from Jose Ramirez, which we haven't seen in a while. So that's my old prediction. Okay. Okay. Also, sorry, guys, I just have to tell you, Okoro just hit a three to Excellent. go ahead with like two seconds left in this game. Our, our 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 Discord game threads are blowing up and I, I have it up on, I have the Gamecast up on a tab, so I opened it to see, so yeah, I, that is nice. All I right, was Ethan. answering at the same time it was happening and I was like, oh! All right, Ethan, bold and old predictions. I guess my bold prediction is also my old prediction. We're going to throw it back to our prediction corner cast from last year's preseason. Last year, I said Miles Straw would win the Platinum Glove. He was in contention for it until the very, very end. Had it not been for a phenomenal season from Yankees catcher Jose Trevino, I think it was Straw's award to lose. This year, my bold prediction is that while remaining in contention for the Platinum Glove, Miles Straw will be, in an unorthodox fashion, the most valuable nine-hole hitter in baseball. With the new rules, he was already a 30-stolen base threat. Now the distance between the bags is shorter because of new size and second base realignment. He has killer wheels. That has not changed. And I have said this over and over again, and I am vehement about the fact that Miles Straw only needs to hit between 240 and 260 to be deadly in any capacity. He will draw 10% walks. That is a given. He did it last year, even when he wasn't hitting that well. Miles Straw getting on base and setting the table for Quan, Ahmed, Jose, and Josh Bell is going to be phenomenal. And he's a threat for 30 in the old rules. He's a threat for 40 in the new ones, as long as he keeps his on-base percentage in the 340 to 350 range. Miles Straw will be one of the most valuable and underrated nine-hole hitters, let, let alone players in all of baseball. That is going to be my bold prediction. Okay. My old prediction, uh, say it with me, kids, on, on the count of three. Jose Ramirez will win the AL MVP. This is the year. 
just as the new rules are going to benefit Miles Straw, they probably don't impact any player on the Guardians more than Jose Ramirez. This is it. He's finally going to break 300. He's going to hit over 30 <laughs> home runs while healthy. He's going to steal 30 bases. He's going to lead the league in doubles. As long as Aaron Judge doesn't hit 80 freaking home runs and Shohei Otani doesn't win the Cy Young and in contention for the MVP, it's Jay Ram's award. This is the year. He was absolutely on the warpath for it last year before the thumb injury happened and before Aaron Judge really hit his home run hitting stride. I don't see that happening again just based on history. Judge is a phenomenal player, but hitting 62 again, it just does not seem feasible. It's it's Jose's year. Old take. But it, it's his year every year. It's Jose Ramirez's world, and we're just living in it. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Very nice. Yeah, I, I wish I had said Jose, you know just because you guys all did but uh I'm, I'm happy i was a little uh uh different different there but yeah it, it is well known that jose is just going to be peppering uh out uh outfield walls with doubles and and knocking them all around so um i am definitely excited to watch some baseball this year with the new rules that they have so all right uh last two and then we'll get out of here because we are coming up on our hour uh, since this is Farmer Ethan's, uh, you know, not not your podcast, but it, we just got done doing your prospect list and had our uh, prospect roundtable come out on Monday. Um, this one is a little uh, dart throwy, but prospect not on the forty man to make an impact for uh, the major league team. Who is that for you, Ethan? Since it's your topic, you uh, get go first. We were discussing this before the show, and Mitchell said out loud, how can this be anybody but a pitcher? And I had to pipe up and say, well, I'm still picking a bat, dang it. To which Gerbs made a poorly crafted Dracula joke, but I digress. It's a vampire joke. I was like, well, yeah. they play day games. How are you picking a vampire? Yes. Uh, this team debuted 17 rookies last year. They're going to debut not quite that many this year, but you will see new faces on this team. Like we said earlier in the show, the 26 that travel to Seattle are not the 26 that will be on this roster in September. The roster still expand to 28 players later in the year. So there will be guys getting a cup of coffee. But if anybody who's not currently on the 40 man roster is going to come up and make an impact with the bat, it, it's going to be Mike Apriz for me, who's really stood out this spring training. He's played in more games than anybody. He's been in 18. He was actually just sent down yesterday, back down to minor league camp. This is a guy who was drafted in 2019. He was injured when the club took him, so he spent the year rehabbing. The pandemic wiped out his 2020 season, so he didn't get to taste affiliate baseball till 2021 when he was already 23 years old. He had a decent year, but then last year in 2022, 
uh, as a 24 year old in double a, he pretty much tore up the competition. He, he hit in the 260 range. He had 29 doubles, stole 20 bases, 26 home runs, drew eight and a half percent walks. The strikeouts were a tolerable 23%. The numbers are really nice. He's a, he's a hybrid first baseman corner outfield guy who has underrated speed. He's got a good arm. He's a lot of lineup flexibility that this club could use should one injury happen, right? If something happens to Naylor or Bell, this is a great guy to have in the wings. Well, you're not ready to hand the keys to the Ferrari to John Kenzie Noel. You don't have to force Gabriel Arias to play first base if you're not comfortable with that. If you need him to man second base or shortstop, should something else happen anywhere else? He's just a really underrated player who's overlooked because of his age. He's 25 this year, but only has two seasons of pro ball under his belt. The numbers are extremely encouraging, and he's gotten nothing but high praise from the front office and the coaching staff. He's a name to watch, and if anybody's going to get an opportunity over players ahead of him on the depth chart and get added to the 40, all uh, Oscar Gonzalez last year, I think it's going to be Mike Caprice. Yeah, that, that's, that was as spicy as I was expecting it to be. I I enjoy that. I enjoy that take. You know, it's always fun when a guy who like is unheralded on prospect lists kind of makes it and takes a little longer to earn the trust of the fan base. I mean, we're still seeing people, including I think all of us who have questions about Oscar Gonzalez, despite his heroism last year. Um, so, you know, I, I'm certainly rooting for Micah Priest. That is a good pick. I enjoy that a lot. Um, my pick, I already alluded to it. It's Logan Allen. Um, I just really, really like the profile. He's just such a unique look uh, for this Guardians rotation. And I think that matters, just having guys who just throw the ball differently. Um, I, I think that is something that the Guardians have found important, have emphasized in the past. Um, but we really haven't seen this type of player, you know, the short, crafty, lefty. Um, and, he, and the other thing about him that I think goes under the radar is just like his stuff is, it's good. You know, it's fine. It's uh, it's not the stuff that necessarily is what gets hitters out. And I think like when you compare that to, you know, his fellow pitching farmhand, Daniel Espino, who obviously is injured right now, but like that is the exciting prospect. That is the guy who it's like, this is the future ace of the organization, top three pitcher in baseball. If there is going to be a guy in that in this organization who fits that description, it is most likely to be Espino. But Logan Allen, I feel like, yes, he he had a 650 ERA in AAA last year, but I do think that, you know, we talk about uh, development over time, and it's just not linear. Guys are going to hit walls. Guys are going to have to make adjustments. Um, you know, his fastball, it, he doesn't throw it hard, but he, he released it from a unique angle and the, the movement on it makes it play up more than it would for a, um, you'd expect for a guy who throws 90, 91. Um, maybe that's not working. Like that's like, you know, he might need to make an adjustment or two. Um, but I really think like this guy understands how to pitch and it's just going to be a fun, um, you know, possibility to see him following, uh, Savali out of the the rotation so he's my pick yeah that's pretty good one as well um because you allowed me to have it i will take my favorite prospect pitching prospect that is in the uh uh organization uh tanner bybee i really love his uh his arsenal that he has um the the we talked with justin lotta last year about how he's 
throwing 95 now. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, he's a guy that can definitely come up and it seems like you could just uh, basically insert him in and just leave him and, and almost, you know, if Savale or, uh, Zach are struggling, those guys are probably, you know, one of them is, is coming right in. Um, and, it, and for me, it's going to be Bybee, I would think. Um, I know there are others probably in the ahead of him in the pecking order that would get their chance, but Bybee just has that ability in my eyes to come in and uh, the floor is just really high is basically what I'm trying to say with Bybee. So that's where I'm at. But uh, because we are getting close to the end here, uh, one last prediction from you guys. Um, what do you think will be the final record and how do you think the season will end for uh, our first, uh, our Gardos here? Who wants to go first? I can go. That's fine. Okay. Um, okay. I mean, it's an arbitrary thing, right? I mean, so much can go right. So much can go wrong. I'm trying to like fit this balance between optimist and realist. Um, you know, there's so much more that goes into a prediction than, than what meets the eye. So after minutes of deliberation, I've decided to uh, predict that the Guardians will go 87 and 75 and win the AL Central. Um, that is obviously, you know, very, very up in the air. I could, I could see a wide array of things happening. I think like the Twins pose a real threat. I think the White Sox like have to play better than they played last year. So like that's a threat as well, but I do think that the the Guardians leaps forward. Last year were mostly legitimate. Uh, any regression that happens, and there will be regression. I think there are obvious things that can regress positively too. You know, so I don't think that the division is one that you need to win ninety five games for. I don't know that it's even one you need to win ninety games for, and that's exactly my prediction. I think, you know, we'll see the Twins and White Sox hover around five hundred. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Zizé AL Central. Uh, AL Central champs. Uh, and let's say, you know, just for fun that they win in the ALDS and lose in the championship series. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And 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 by the way, that would be a successful season. Oh, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. That would be a massively successful season. For sure. Ethan? I think I was the weird one last year, if I'm remembering this correctly, and I picked that team that won on to debut 17 rookies that entered opening day with Bobby Bradley and Yu Chang as the opening day first baseman and second baseman to win 90 games. They ended up with 92. They've improved. Now, the schedule is different this year. There's new rules. The division has changed, not significantly, but enough around them that it's going to be hard to top that but i think they do not by much i i think at the end of the day this team walks away with 94 wins they're the al central champions by not a comfortable margin i don't think they have a double digit game you know i think the twins get 90 and get into the wild card but i'm gonna say this team tastes the alcs and goes home a little bit later than they did last year but I'm, I'm saying 94 wins, they look different and improved after the All-Star break. And we're going to be celebrating another pennant. Not a pennant, I'm sorry, a, a division title. Got ahead of myself there. 
All right. I will say, I will say Pennant. I have 90 wins and getting to the World Series. I don't, I, I can't in good conscience and not be a homer say World Series winners. But I think that, uh, I think they did the legwork last year in figuring out some of these guys, getting them some postseason at bats. I think that's why you had guys like Bo Naylor and Will Brennan, you know, not necessarily a peer. Uh, Bo Naylor didn't, but uh, they were Oscar Gonzalez, Gabriel Arias were all up and on the postseason roster. I think they, you know, uh, got some got some stuff that they were ready for, prepared for, and I think this is the year that they have the ability to not only uh, progress further than where they were in the postseason, but um, I think they have a chance. I do. I think they have a legitimate chance to to go after it. Plus, they have done. Like I said, they did the legwork in identifying some of the players that are keepers for them and eliminating others that might not like we like you said going into last year we thought Tyler Freeman was going to be a cornerstone or a guy that could possibly be a a, a guy and now at the top of this podcast we were talking about him possibly playing somewhere else so um i can definitely see that they you know they've identified some of these players that are sticking around and i think that the front office knows that this is you know not necessarily their one their one chance um obviously there are that's a young team and a uh division that allows them to be 90 win champs but um i think they are going to make a run and they have the ability to add to their roster without hurting it that much and and hurting the future much so uh that is uh that is my guess that they are going to to make the make the finals, make the series. So, man, I would love if that comes true. But if I could just build off of you for a minute there, I liked your point about a lot of figuring out who's a part of this club and who's not going forward last year, right? Finding out that Stephen Kwan's a piece, finding out that you might be willing to give legitimate chances to Oscar Gonzalez and Will Brennan to be pieces, that Andres Jimenez is like a keystone, cornerstone piece of this club. The internal optimist in me might catch some flack for this take, but it's one of those things that doesn't correlate to a stat sheet that I think about. For all of the kids that this team employed last year, and as much as it sucked to watch how it ended, I couldn't imagine a much more valuable experience, short of winning it all as a rookie, than experiencing a hostile Yankee stadium and a win-or-go-home playoff game. Oh, sure. There's something to be said for life experiences and what you can learn from something like that, especially when Terry Francona is your manager there to talk to you in the dugout when you guys are ready to go home and go on vacation. Right. So, you know, that doesn't mean everything in the world, but it's definitely something that I consider when I think about things you can take away from last season. For sure. All right, Mitch, any last comments from you for the night before we uh, head in? No, no, I left it all on the field, just like right. Stephen Kwan. <laughs> I agree. Fantastic. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. Go Ice. 
Uh, we'll be back next week. Um, we are already prepping for the season. I look at the schedule today and saw that the first like month, month and a half, they have uh, no Thursday games. So that'll probably be our record night. That'll and we'll have a podcast for you guys. Uh, try to do every Friday, but uh, yeah, this is a lot of fun, guys. We'll be back next week. We will record on Wednesday next week, so you have something on opening day to wet your uh, whistle while you try to stay awake. You can let our dulcet tones, uh, you know, attempt to keep you ready for the uh, opening day, the late opening day. So, all right, for uh, Dr. Mitchell, for <laughs> Farmer Ethan, uh, I am Joe Gerbs Gerberry, and we are saying good night. Be safe and be loved. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chapotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.